0: This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's Community Access Media Organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we
1: play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. I'm to our listeners. Welcome to Saturday News number 893. So I'm Gulab Bilimoria and I offer my most loving and humble pronouns at the Lord's feet of Abhilabh Bhagwan, Sri Sai Baba. Today we'll be hearing an interview that took place on the 21st of May, 2021, between uh, our brother 10 Henry and Sanjay Mahalingam of Prasanti, You know, it's considered by most, if not all to be Sri Sathya Baba's most profound teaching, discovering the truth of who you are and embracing the most profound question in life, who am I? One of the Baba's students, this is Sanjay Mahalingam, he got his PhD uh, and now devoting a significant part of his life to assisting others in understanding his lesson. It is the lesson of self inquiry, self-discovery, and in the tourist sense, self-awareness. Dr. Lingam uh, is now an assistant professor at the university he graduated from, which is the Sri Shattasai Institute of Higher Learning in Sai Baba's Ashram in Prasanthi, India. In this interview, one quickly discovers that Dr. Sanjay's passion for self-understanding. So let's uh, hear Ganesh Bhajan and then we'll get straight into final part
2: three. Ganesha Ganesha." Ganesha." Ganesha Tumaho Vigna Vinasa Ganesha Tumaho Vigna Vinasa Ganesha Amen. sh ganesha tum ho vighna vinasha 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 ganesha parvatinand
0: Words do matter. Sometimes they get me in trouble when I use the wrong words uh, or words that maybe are ill-timed for the conversation. And I just got done talking about the, the the quote you gave by saying that you don't miss Swami out of context. That could be controversial in context. It makes perfect sense. You also made a statement once that probably raised a couple of people's eyebrows out of context. And it goes like this. One day you wrote a letter to Swami. You were upset. You were angry. You wrote a letter to Swami, uh, which I don't think you ever expected that he would take. Saying that Sammy, you, no, you no longer
3: love me, and
0: the reason why you phrased yes. it that way is because he seemed to be ignoring you for a while. Well, I would most likely feel exactly the same way. <laughs> Baba came out one day, walked right up to you, took that letter that you never, I think, you meant never to really give it to him. And he not only took it, he opened it and he read it and he read it out loud. <laughs> Tell us more about how that story turned out.
3: So, you know, the thing is like this, and Swami is so wonderful at making you feel special. And when he is in that mood to make you feel special, he can really make you feel special. And the ego gets so used to that attention. And when you are new to Swami's affections, you tend to take a lot of liberty. I I wouldn't have dared do that a few years down the line, but I was just new and You know, Swami will make you feel as if you are the world to him. Like he has come down only for you, you know? So, and suddenly Swami withdrew the attention and the ego was, you know, like fish out of water. And I wrote a harsh letter. I literally, I wrote, Swami, you no longer love me. Your heart is of stone, you know? And I was holding letter, actually not to the letter, because holding a letter is one way of grabbing his attention. Sure. You know, so I was holding a letter and I Swami will just take the letter, give it to somebody and, you know, at least I'll get to go close to him. And Swami so called and he just stepped out of the entry room, just right at the, at the door, at the threshold. And he called me and I was sitting right in the front of the veranda. He called me and he said, give me that. And he started opening it and reading it. And right there, five feet from him was the vice chancellor, (laughs) uh, the registrar and all the VIPs and all my professors. And oh my God. And Swami Swami was very kind. When he reached that line, he softened his voice. He, He started mumbling. So I'm not sure if others had heard it, but even if they did, I mean, what can anybody say? It's Swami. So Swami said, and then Swami said, when, when he read the word, Swami, you no longer love me. And then Swami said, no, no, no. My love is always the same. Your love is only like this, like this. Swami's love, always the same.
0: That's beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. We talked about this in writing before, and I'm not quite sure I'm going to phrase it right. So be patient with me here. Would you please share something about uh, what I think you said was a notable experience you once had in a very small temple tucked away high in the Himalayas. Something you shared in a talk back in the year 2014. Is that enough of a clue to get you started?
3: Yeah. So we were traveling with some friends. We're about 40 50 offers just going around the Himalayas, just visiting temples and doing some small treks. So somehow I have been always like this. I find it difficult to sleep after four. You know, 4 a.m., I just wake up. It's unless I'm very sick or something else is very wrong with me, I, I can't sleep beyond that. So I got up at four. Everybody was fast asleep and I didn't know what to do. So I just, it was Himalaya, Himalayan winter. It's very cold. <laughs> so I just put on all my woolen clothes and I just kept out of my hotel. And just across the road, I heard some bells. So I just thought, oh, it looks like a temple. I just walked in. It was around 445 or so. And the moment I entered the temple, it was magnificent. The energy, which now I identify as the divine mother, was so palpable; you could almost feel it. It was two thousand fourteen, and I just went and around four forty-five, four fifty. They were just opening the temple. They were just cleaning. You were still sweeping the place, and I just found a corner and I just sat. And I just sat and said, well, "What to do? Let's meditate." So I closed my eyes and started meditating. And um, it was almost as if you pull the plug. You know, you're watching television, and somebody just goes and pulls the plug, and the television goes poof, gone. It was as if somebody just pulled the plug. And instantly, again, you know, words are very difficult to understand, but I will try to explain. I just went into a state of silence and was just sitting like that. And then after some time, about 10 or 15 minutes later, I clearly heard a voice in my heart. So it was not a thought. It was actually a voice. I still remember the voice. It was a female voice, a very sweet, melodious female voice. I actually heard it physically. And the voice said, seek me in wordless silence. Mm. Seek me in wordless silence. And with that voice, I came back uh, and then I opened my eyes. And uh, I found to my utter amazement two things. One, there was Aarti going on in the temple at that time. So in, I don't know if you know, North Indian Artis are not like our Swami artis, They're very loud. Mm-hmm. There's conscious going on, cymbals beating, people clapping, bells clinging. So there's a loud noise. Until that second, I had no clue about that. And third, and secondly, uh, two and a half hours had passed. It was 7.45 or so. But in, in my awareness, it looked like about 10 or 15 minutes. So when I opened my eyes, I thought 10 or 15 minutes had passed. but Two and a half hours had passed. And you know, usually if I sit for that long, my body is a little sore, the back will be a little sore, but I felt as if I'm just born. There was no soreness anywhere in the body. So it was just an amazing experience. You know, when the mind is absent, the universe comes to a still, the universe comes to a standstill, nothing really moves, even the body stop, stops to, you know, react. So it was a wonderful experience. And of course, uh, I was so blissed out the whole day that I just wanted to hug Anybody, my eyes, I, I set my eyes on, I just want to hug them and tell them how much I love them, man, woman, animal, <laughs> you know, I, did, I had to force myself to stop myself, you know, for social reasons. Otherwise, I was like that for about a day, day and a half. Um, but yeah, so that, that, yeah, I mean, it's not such a big thing. It, it's okay. It has happened a few times after that. But the thing is, you see, the thing is when the mind is not there, time is not there. Physicality is not there. At the time, what appeared to be 10-15 minutes, you know, was two and a half hours. So really, when God says, mind is the world, it became real to me at the time. When all attention is withdrawn from the world, from the mind, there is really no world. There is no time. Mm -hmm. And probably that is why God is called timeless. Now I am able to comfortably slide into thoughtlessness and remain like that. But you see, this is an experience for many people, artists experience this all the time. You know, musicians, when they are playing their violin or guitar, they just, they call it zoning in, Mm -hmm. you know, they're just there. Only the music is there. They they put it like, oh, I I am not there anymore anymore playing. The music is playing itself. Sportsmen have this, you know, probably artists. They're They're, They're totally mindless the key thing is to be able to do that consciously yeah. instead of that happening. Occasionally, one should be able to have enough strength, inner strength to be, to simply put away thought as, and when we wish to, well, it would, that, we, is that is mastery. Yeah.
0: What prompted me to talk about this is hearing what you said from this voice, see me in wordless silence. And that led me to think about spiritual practices that people go through on a day-to-day basis. And I know of some spiritual people who say they go through no practice. But it's useful to people like me, and presumably to others as well, to hear the nature of a person's spiritual practice on a day-by-day basis. Would you be willing to share your own with us?
3: I'm glad you asked that. So the practice is really simple, Ted. The problem is it is so simple that most people miss it. (laughs) It is so absurdly simple. It's really just this. In this moment, whatever shows up, what would show up? Physicality could show up, means body could play up, thought could show up, emotion, which is basically the play of thought in the body, could show up, breathing could show up or whatever else shows up. If there is an instant recognition and release of all forms of resistance, what shows up. Now, this is the key. Moment something shows up, instantly our minds are wired to say, ah, this is wonderful. Oh, this is not so wonderful. This ought to be. Oh, this ought not to be. Oh, this is a good thought. This is a bad thought. Ah, why am I feeling like this? Ah, I'm feeling like this. You know, the moment there's a judgment, there is an acceptance or a resistance. This is the only two ways the mind reacts to what shows up in the moment. Only two ways. There is no third way. Mm -hmm. Instantly, either there's acceptance or there is resistance. And then it takes other convoluted forms. But if we can catch ourselves and release all resistance in this moment, as it shows up, simply release all resistance, we become completely available to this moment. Mm -hmm. All our diffused energy in this way can be gathered. And then when we enter the heart center, we simply ask the question, who am I? Now, this who am I, what's again very important to note that it is not a contemplation. It is not a dialogue with oneself. In the strictest sense of the term, it is not even a question. We use the three words, who am I, but the question itself is not a word. It is a direct dive, a directly paying attention to the I-ness that arises spontaneously from the heart. Because often when I say ask the question, who am I, people get it as it's a mental dialogue. Oh, so who am I? Oh, so am I this? Oh, no, no, it's not that at all. Because, you know, minimum words have to be used. So we say, who am I? But really, it's not even a question in that sense of the term. It's directly looking at the I-ness. So when I say I am Sanjay, there is somebody who claims to be Sanjay. When I say, oh, I am enlightened, for example, somebody says, there is somebody claiming to be something. So b- before we leave from I am and then go to "Oh, Sanjay, oh, I am tall, I am intelligent, oh, I am stupid, I am fair, I am dark, or whatever, whatever. We stay in the I am. We don't allow the energy to go to the next step. Stay in the I am and just look at that nature of the I-ness or I am. That spontaneously arises in the heart. We don't make an effort; it spontaneously arises. That is the root of individual existence, or the me. The moment the eye rises, and if it is not paid enough attention to, the eye goes and latches onto the form, and then the eye becomes Ted, and then the I becomes Ted's life, and then becomes Ted's opinions, judgments, stories, Ted's past, Ted's future, and the whole you know the whole drama. Before the eye can latch on to something, you catch that eye and look at its nature. Then instead of latching on to something, that eye becomes a portal. It becomes a pathway to the absolute. It sounds complicated, but it is utterly simple. It's laughably simple, (laughs) if only people are willing to try it.
0: I hope everybody got that point that you made so well. I certainly understand it and am i led to believe that this constitutes your daily practice a spiritual pursuit
3: yes uh, i still do sit twice a day meditate for more focused inquiry yeah meditation again is a word which is so differently understood by different sure. people it's like I the word god it, <laughs> exactly you know <laughs> i would just call it i sit silently hmm. i would just put it that way um uh, but yes this this is also a constant practice so
0: I have asked this question, which you don't have to answer, by the way, Uh, and I've been surprised uh, how well constructed the reactions have been from a few people that I've asked it of. Asking them if they feel through their pursuit of self that they've become, let's just use the word awakened. Do you feel like you've reached that level of heightened understanding, what I would call awakening?
3: It's such an interesting question that basically your question is, are you awakened? Yeah? Yes. My answer is yes and no. <laughs> and really it is, and I'm 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 saying this with a bit of a sense of responsibility. Yes, because I am awakened when I'm awakened, and I am not when I think I'm not. I have enough clarity to see that what we call awakened is absolutely my natural nature. Does Sanjay sometimes show up? clouding that clarity. Yes, he does show up. He does show up. Uh, sometimes it needs a little bit of attention to put him away. So that the clarity is again there. Now, have I reached, you know, uh, I I have now come to this place, I am quite sure that there is no such thing as reached. And I don't think I will ever reach. I don't think anybody has ever reached. There comes a stage in your life where you absolutely without free fear and there is absolute clarity, and you know that whatever life throws at you, you can handle. But I really don't know that if there is anything like awakened, like, because I have actually never heard any awakened being saying that I am awakened. <laughs> you know, so I don't know where awakening starts, and you know, I really don't know. I just know that. What I have is so valuable to me that I wouldn't want to trade it for anything in the world. And uh, I'm growing like all of us. Uh, today, I'm clearer than how I was yesterday. Uh, I have more attention. And as I pay more and more attention to myself, what I truly am, I can see that it is, it is eating up what I am not.
0: I want to say that I think this is a very, very important talk. Important, because what more important lesson is there from Sai Baba than for the deepest self-examination to know thyself?
3: Yeah, that completely. More than just um, the command of knowing oneself, if we are more attentive to whatever sadhana we are doing, it will bear much more fruit. See, in one interview I asked Swami, Swami these people say, bhakti, And wisdom, you know, the path of devotion and the path of wisdom, how is it different? And Swami's answer was amazing. He said, those who still see difference between bhakti and jnana, they know neither. Hmm. Those who still see difference between the path of devotion and the path of knowledge, they don't know either. It's the same. So in my own experience, you see, even in the path of wisdom, the first step is to let go of this, letting go of this. And that is the same thing that happens in service. Or if it is done in the, in, in the way it's supposed to be done, there, there is a letting go of oneself, same in even in simply chanting the name of the Lord, one has to let go of everything else except the name. So the first step is anyway, letting go. Letting go of what I think I am, letting go of what appears important to the mind. So, any way we take social service, namasmanana, meditation, japa, dhyana, self inquiry, the first step is always letting go of what the mind thinks is very important for itself or for its survival or for its own uh, thriving. So, the letting go is anyway the first step. And after that, if you use emotion to climb up the ladder of consciousness, it becomes devotion. If you use awareness, it becomes meditation. If you use intellect and cutting through layers of delusions, it becomes wisdom. So, you know, there comes a time when all these converge. There are days and I'm just feeling more emotional about Swami. It's fine. I just, I just let it be. And there are days I feel nothing. It's, it's fine too. It's fine it's all fine. You know, once we begin to know oneself, it's all fine. It's all it's, it's, it is just what it is. So all paths begin to converge. In fact, this is one, one sign of evolved understanding. When we see all paths as same and not as distinct compartments, you know, then it's it's all the same really. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it would be nice if people are more attentive to what they are doing and what impact it is happening on my experience of life. That inward attention is key anyway. That is key.
0: Last point is yours. I was going to say last uh, answer to a question, but instead of me asking a question, what have we left out? This is so important because it touches upon ground that isn't discussed routinely or frequently among my peers, my Baba peers here in the States. And that is self-inquiry. That is who am I? That is inward investigation. That is trying to find out that I'm not, as Baba says, the Ted I think I am, or the Ted Sanjay thinks I am. What can you bring to the discussion that wraps this up that will be useful, that you'd like to talk about?
3: Yeah, the one thing I'd like to say is there's a misconception that this is a difficult path that other things are easier. You know, it's easier to chant God's name. It is easier to just go out and do a medical camp. Self-inquiry is difficult. You know, it's rare, but rare is not difficult. (laughs) Difficult is to go to a gym and do a bench press with hundred pounds. That's difficult. Difficult is to solve a complicated mathematical problem. But self inquiry is not difficult. It is rare because many people do not have the willingness to do it. So it appears as if it is difficult. It is not difficult. For the willing, it is incredibly easy. It is so easy that the mind almost misses it. So my only, what should I say? I don't want to say advice. My only suggestion or invitation to my beloved brothers and sisters of the Sai family, is that this is truly the direct way to realize the Sai within. Simple, direct, elegant. And in this path, one cannot get lost, one cannot get fooled. There is no place for delusion. There is simply no place for story. It's simple, direct and really elegant and instantly we can get in touch with Swami's grace and love if only we are willing. It'll need a certain level of inner commitment, inner commitment, when there is there and there is enough willingness, this is so easy. It is so natural that I, I, I just wish more people take to it.
0: No, good answer. I'm really glad I set up the question that way to elicit such a response. I I wanna thank you, Sanjay. I think this is going to go down for me anyway is one of the more significant, most important discussions we've had within the Psy community that I've been a part of because I just don't hear very many people talking this way about what I see as Baba's greatest command to each and every one of us, to know ourselves for the truth of who we are. And I see that in you, I caught that in the video I saw, and I hope we were able to reproduce some of that here. Thank you for expanding upon the uh, questions that passed through my mind when I saw your first video and adding to all the points that were made.
3: Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. Such a pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash FreeFM eighty nine to find out more.